0: good morning everybody happy uh wednesday is it wednesday <laughs> happy wednesday to you my goodness i i honestly didn't know what that was for a moment i know what i've got to do today but i hadn't really thought through it what day is it? it's wednesday happy wednesday to you it's 10 o'clock i do know that it's time for Tim with tim i do know that and i know that we're in job chapters three and four how are you today you good um i really like job i, I really do um I think one of the things that makes me uh, feel drawn to Job is just the sense in which, in my own life, I have just become really comfortable with questions. And I get the idea that some people aren't. And I also know that that tends to drive people crazy when they're listening to me preach. Because often religious people, not just religious people, but sometimes especially religious people, they like certainty they want all the questions to have answers they want mysteries to be solved you know and if that has been your Uh, you know, uh, orientation, you're going to be a little frustrated with the book of Job, uh, because the questions start rolling out here in chapter three, where we're starting. Now, as we said yesterday, uh, at the end of that narrative prologue of Job, uh, Job's friends travel from great distances to come and to comfort and console him. Uh, and there, that's the right thing to do that. That's the right thing to do. Um, you ever heard the, the phrase, don't be Job's comforters? Uh, it's an that idea that, that people show up to comfort, but they make it all worse. They don't make it worse in the beginning. When they sit in silence, they do fine. It's when they open their mouths. Just because somebody asks a question doesn't mean they need you to answer it, especially when you don't know. You know, especially when you're trying to speak for God. And, and basically, one of the lessons I think we'll learn from Job together, and we're going to learn it over and over and over, is that simply you're not very good at explaining somebody else's suffering. So don't try. Just don't try. You don't know why things happen to yourself, let alone other people. You don't know what God is doing in another person's life. So don't try to explain another person's suffering. Now, Job's going to talk, and it's good to let Job talk, and Job's questions are Job's questions. And I think sometimes the most faithful thing in the world to do is just to say it, to, to ask the question, to, to live with the question sometimes, and not necessarily to substitute or settle for a cheap answer you know so that brings us to the beginning of uh, of of the poet, poetic section of job which is most of job these long speeches and dialogues and in this case a soliloquy i'd call it a soliloquy would you i mean it's a word i use in english class reading shakespeare when hamlet you know whoever just gives this a long speech Uh, This is a soliloquy, I would say. Uh, It's not a prayer. He's not necessarily addressing God, and he's not addressing his friends either. It's just finally, after seven days of silence, you get the idea that Job has remained quiet, but his agony has deepened, and finally he speaks, and, and what does he do? Well, he, he curses two things. He curses the day that he was born, and he curses the night that he was conceived. Honestly, I never caught the second part. I guess, I, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's an adult thing, and maybe I, I never read it as an adult, but I read it as an adult today. Um, the day of his birth, the night of his conception. So the, uh, the day of his birth begins, let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived let that day be turned to darkness Uh, some scholars read chapter 3 and they see in it uh, a lot of the language of Genesis chapter 1 when God you know uh, you know creates the universe creates light and brings life you know uh, into into being um here, Job is wanting to reverse all of that. So there is the erasure of light. Let light be turned to darkness. And then you'll notice at the end of the chapter, he says, I have no rest. In Genesis 1, it goes from darkness to rest, you know, the the, the creation of the Sabbath. But here in Job chapter 3, we go from darkness to no rest. So anyway, some people see that as a reversal of of God's creation of life. And, And indeed, that's exactly what Job wants. He just wants a reversal of his life. We celebrate birthdays because we believe that life is inherently good. We celebrate March 7th. That's my birthday. I'm about to turn, what, 59. Woo, let's celebrate that. I'm going to be 59 in March. We celebrate that because, gosh, 59 years of life is a blessing. It's a blessing, and we say that. You know, let those birthdays keep coming because it's a blessing a lot of people don't receive. But here, Job, in his suffering, says, I would give anything to not see another birthday. I would give anything if I'd never been born. Now, Job is not, as we would say, suicidal. It's not that he is thinking of ending his own life. He's not. At the same time, he is despairing of his life because for him, it seems to be nothing but bitterness. And in this moment, you can't argue with that perception. It seems to be nothing but darkness and bitterness. So he goes through this opening verses where he curses the day of his birth and then the night of his conception. Again, the night when his parents were together and and and, and he himself was conceived. He says, "Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb for letting me be born to see all this trouble." So not just the day of his birth, his birthday, but the very night he was conceived in passion. He says, oh, any of you who are good at, anybody good at cursing, curse that night for me. Yeah, so that's Job soliloquy again, not so much speaking to anybody, but just a uh, uh, finally venting and pouring out the despair of his heart now after that starting in verse 11 in chapter 3 notice there's a series of questions if you just want to sort of you know be a careful reader underline those questions and pay attention to the questions that job's going to ask why wasn't i born dead why didn't i die as i came from the womb why was i laid on my mother's lap why did she nurse me at her breast his first questions if i died at birth i'd now be at peace you know, if I had just died, I never would have lived to have seen all this pain. Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? You know, why, why can't I just died, you know, before I ever saw the light? Why give light to those in misery and life to those who were bitter? Um, you know, I've I've heard a lot of people ask that same question. Often uh, folks who have suffered like Job or uh, older folks at the end of life who've just outlived everybody they've ever loved and outlived their bodies in many ways um and uh they just speak of the darkness and bitterness of of those that that final existence um i i i never want to give up on on believing and celebrating the goodness of life but But I do know that if this is how you feel, this is how you talk, you know, and and this is where Job is. I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. I dreaded this and now it's come true. I've got no peace, no quiet. I've got no rest, only trouble comes. Well, speaking of trouble, now Eliphaz is gonna speak whoo, if, if just he wouldn't, you know, but at this point, he's like, mm, Job, can I say something now? You know, you, you kind of broke the silence now. So you mind if I say a word, you know, back in the day, Job, I mean, I'm paraphrasing now, but chapter four, Eliphaz says, Job, you know, back in the day, you used to comfort people. You used to, you know, you encourage a lot of people and you'd strengthen those who were weak. And man, you had words to support those who were falling. You encouraged those with shaky knees. But now look at you, trouble strikes and you lose heart. You're terrified when it touches you. I mean, dude, (laughs) you know, it was so much better when you weren't talking, but now, you know, okay, can I just, you know, can I say a word? We wish you wouldn't, but, you know, 40 chapters later, you know, it's going to end. But right now, man, once they get going, they're going to get going. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? You know? Notice now, Eliphaz, um, he's going to begin by just giving reassurance of the moral order. In other words, Job, you've been a good person. Doesn't that give you confidence that you've had a life of integrity? and doesn't that give you hope? Okay, Job is sitting in ashes, scraping his wounds that are dripping pus, you know, with a broken piece of pottery. And Eliphaz says, you know, doesn't your integrity just give you hope? You know, oh my goodness. Uh, it's the certainty and smugness that is so difficult to, to hear in his words. Stop and think. Do the innocent die? When, when have the upright been destroyed? You know, in other words in eliphaz's way of seeing the world good always wins the bad are always punished look what he says Um, the lion roars the wildcat snarls but you know sooner or later their teeth get broken you know in other words the predators the bullies they always get what's coming to them yeah do they though Eliphaz (laughs) but in Eliphaz's world everything is neat everything is clean the righteous are always rewarded the wicked are always punished as a matter of fact he says you know I kind of got a word from God on this and then he shares his divine revelation that starts in verse 12 this truth was given to me in secret as though whispered in my ear he makes this sound like he got this word from god and what's the word verse 17 can a mortal be innocent before god can anyone be pure before the creator well you know the interesting thing about eliphaz's question there is it's more or less the question that was asked in heaven in the prologue only it was asked by satan The Satan in the Book of Job. So, in that sense, Eliphaz's question, you know, it's like, you know, I I think I got this from God. Well, it sounds more like the question that the devil asks in chapter one, you know, because this God who keeps saying, "Man, have you have you seen Job? Man, that you know that dude is he is upright? You know, he is righteous." And that's Satan saying, "Well, you know, is he righteous for nothing? You you know." Uh, So again. Um, It sounds more like at this point Eliphaz. It's it's the irony in the book of Job because these individuals like Eliphaz who are going to speak with such certainty you know, and everything they say, it has this moral authority. I, I've seen this with my own experience, with my own eyes. I, I heard this from God himself. I, I got, I got a word from God on, on this, but then they continue to speak words that don't make sense with Job's own life. And so Job is going to have to listen to these fools for the longest time. And so as, as it turns out, are, are, are you and I If God doesn't trust his own angels and has charged his messengers with foolishness, how much less will he trust people made of clay? Um, They're alive in the morning, but dead by evening, gone forever without a trace. Well, Eliphaz, you're correct there only. You're not helping Job because Job is saying, so why can't I die, you know? If our lives are so short and so bitter and so meaningless, then why can't mine just be over, Job says. But Eliphaz is not finished. He's just not finished he's got so much to say with so much certainty. It's going to be one of the themes that we're going to notice throughout this this long cycle of dialogue here in the in the middle of the book of Job. The friends speak with so much certainty and Job has so much uncertainty you know, but in the end, Job is going to be vindicated. Job's position is going to be vindicated by God himself. So I I just remind you, sometimes it's more important to live with the questions and ask the questions faithfully uh, and and don't settle for easy answers. And and at the same time, uh, like I said, just because somebody's asking you, why is this happening to me? That doesn't mean that you need to try to answer because deep down, you don't know. You don't know. Don't try to explain somebody else's suffering. Uh, We'll pick up right here. Eliphaz is not done, y'all. He's going to keep on talking. So we'll pick up with Eliphaz in chapters 5 and 6, okay? Two chapters again. Chapter 5, and then Job's going to respond to Eliphaz starting in chapter 6. So read chapters 5 and 6 for tomorrow. Uh, I I happen to love this, you guys. I I hope it's good for you, too. We're going to read it together, and the Lord will show us uh, what He wants us to know from His Word. Uh, It's a living book living and active and a uh, sharp as a two-edged sword so uh stay in the word and let the word read you and uh and open up your heart uh, i love you guys so much have a great wednesday i'll see you in the morning lord willing 10 o'clock for 10 with tim have a good